Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you out to number, I forgot what it is, 2930 of uh, the lectures of my Purpose Singleness course. Hope you all doing exceptionally well. And as everyone is coming in live, I want to address a couple of audiences. First, I want to address those who this might be their very first video. I hope as you enjoy this video that it would be something worth um, your time and worth as a resource for your life. And if so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Also hit that bell. I'd love to have you part of my community. And those who's been watching uh, for a mighty long time, whether it's for 12 years or a day and a half ago that you've been subscribed. I want to say I really appreciate you all um, being a subscriber to my uh, community uh, channel here online. I just want to say I'm glad to, that God sees fit um, and leading you here. And uh, hopefully um, the resource that I continue to produce will be a benefit to you. But today we're going to be talking about, uh, we're actually in phase three of our Purpose Singleness course. We've been doing this since the first week of January. We're now in phase three, where we're going to be talking about the processes of singleness, meaning uh, the things that actually will help you maximize your singleness. And the first um, lecture of phase three is going to be how to enjoy your singleness. Basically, we're going to be talking about deep understanding um, the benefit of God's joy in the seasons of our lives. But for those who's coming in live, I'm going to check the live chat box, see who's here. And uh, for those who are here, make sure you like, make sure you come on in, share, comment, get this out to as many people as possible. We can get this video some traction and we can help a lot of people. Chelsea Williams, what's going on from Cleveland, Ohio? Miss uh, Onokisha, thank you for watching. I uh, hope I'm all as well, Rodeo Jordan. Thank you so much. Hope you're all well as well. Um, who else we got here? Coach, right on time. Jay Keaton, what's up, fam? Because I'm feeling away. People wasted. I, listen, trust me, your time is your life, fam. You always got to make sure. That's one of my points here. You got to make sure you take ownership of your time. Amanda, what's going on, sis? Enoch Brooks. Uh, hey, Coach, hope you're having a nice day. Day was great. I just took a, one of the most powerful power naps of my life, so I'm charged and ready to go. Um, Chandra Thomas, what's going on? Hello, Coach. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Sweet P. Miss J, what's going on? Chelsea Wisdom. Chelsea Williams, I am excited about this lesson. When I first looked at the email, I immediately was just, I'm so I'm, I'm excited too. I am, can't wait to deliver it. Fun with Tasha Brown, what's going on? Good evening, uh, Medina. Tasha Grace, good evening. Singleness is beautiful. We're going to get right into it. And for those who's watching, go ahead and share, comment, like, all that good stuff. And also, make sure you go ahead and download today's worksheet. This worksheet right here is available free on my course website at lifework.teachable.com. If you're watching me live, I posted a link early on in the broadcast of this video. So go ahead and scroll up and you'll be able to find that link. But lifework.teachable.com. Make sure you register for my course, The Purpose Singleness, and you can get this worksheet that has an activity that goes with it that will help you really process God's joy and how you can truly enjoy your singles. But my main thought for tonight's session is this. In order to enjoy your singleness, you must enter and stay engaged in God's joy. In order to enjoy your singleness, you must enter and stay engaged in God's joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me get my notes up real quick. I almost forgot about those. Let me get my notes up real quickly. Uh, let's see here. Here we go. Um, there we go. Now we're good to go. Uh, main thought for tonight's lecture is in order to enjoy your singleness, you must enter and stay engaged in God's joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. No matter what season you're going through in life, whether it's singleness, whether it's marriage, whether it's uh, childhood, whether it's teenagers, no matter what season it is, the only way you are going, the only way you're going to be able to thrive in a season 
is engaging and entering into God's joy because it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. My goal for tonight's lecture is this, to, for us to learn how to guard our joy. My goal for tonight's lecture is for us um, to learn how to guard our joy. And we talked about that. I said the world can't take it, but the world sure can tempt us to give it away. And I have five main talking points for today's lecture. They're going to talk about what is joy, what joy is not, um, how to protect your joy, how to enjoy your singleness, and the fruits of enjoying your singleness. We're going to be talking about four or five things. We're going to be talking about um, what is joy what joy isn't or what joy is not, um, how to protect your joy, how to enjoy your singleness, and what are the fruits of enjoying your singleness. Let's get to the next slide. Let's get right into the problem. Many singles are searching for their own path and are seeking for external pleasures outside of the presence of God. They want to be happy instead of full of joy. When it comes to a lot of singles, the issue is that many singles are searching their own path, meaning that they want to go their own way, meaning they don't want to follow God's principles. They want to follow the impulsiveness of their emotions. They don't want to be in pace with God and produce accordingly. Many singles or people are searching for their own path, their idolatrous path, and are seeking for external pleasures uh, outside of the presence of God. They want to be happy instead of full of joy. It's unfortunate how many people right now are completely oblivious or are in full denial that they are trying to pursue their own path outside of God. They want to see just how far they can go without doing it God's way. They want to see how far they can go in compromise and impulsiveness and impatience. They want to um, go down their own path and, 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 and embrace the external pleasures of life without any type of eternal awareness. They're so engaged with, with, with what they can do in this life versus the one that can give abundant life. And unfortunately for a lot of people right now, they're going to find themselves in, in, in distress and in, in depression um, and, and, and confused because they're looking for God in all the wrong places. The second part of their problem is this. They want to be happy instead of full of joy. See, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Let's look at the next point. Artificial versus authentic joy. There's two types of joys. Happiness is an artificial joy. God's joy is authentic joy. The video is blurry. Let's see. Can y'all can y'all uh can y'all see clearly? Make sure y'all let me know. Can y'all see pretty clearly? Y'all let me know in the comments box if the video is clear and, and y'all can see clearly. I just want to make sure just because I got to change anything on my end. I'll wait till a couple people comment. Everything's good. We see clearly. Okay, perfect. Just want to see other people as well. See if anybody else see has any other technical difficulties on my end. Make sure we're good. It's clear. I bet. All right. There's two types of joys. There's artificial joy and it's authentic joy. Let's break down the two. Happiness is based on conditions. Joy is not based on conditions. Happiness is based on what's present or not present. Joy is based on his presence alone. There's two types of joys that we as individuals have to understand or we won't be able to properly navigate any season. Most people are in the pursuit of happiness versus in the presence of joy. 
Anytime you're in pursuit of happiness, you're basically saying, I'm not happy unless these conditions are in my life, or I'm going to do whatever it takes to guard these conditions in my life. But joy says, I'm not in pursuit of happiness. I'm settled in the presence of joy. That's why the Bible says in his presence, there's a fullness of joy. And unfortunately, we live in this type of world where we are all on the pursuit of happiness. We've seen the movie with Will Smith that many of us are programmed to pursue your happiness versus welcoming the all-encompassing presence of God's joy. And so what we have to understand is that we have all we need in him. Anything um, um, more than God is excess. All we really need is him. And unfortunately, we look at God as an accessory instead of the entire outfit. We look at God as a piece to the equation versus the entire formula. And what happens is we get so caught up in living and wasting years of our lives pursuing happiness that once we get there, we're going to realize I need more conditions. One thing about the pursuit of happiness, you're going to never be satisfied. But if you really allow your eyes to be open and embrace the, the season um, that's, that's amongst you and the, and the person that is with you, then you will be able to have the right perspective, the right attitude to be able to navigate any season without, without any issue. Or I won't say any issue, but excuse me, without any temptation to give your peace or joy away. <clears throat> excuse me. Unfortunately, many people are in the pursuit of happiness versus being poised in the presence of joy. Let's keep going for time's sake. Uh, let's go here. Basically. My goal for this video here is for us to understand the pace of God, the process of God, how we're able to really navigate with him and to be able to really enjoy literally any season that we may be in where we're able to say, you know what, <clears throat> even though all the conditions in my life are not favorable, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. <clears throat> there we go. <clears throat> That even though all of the conditions in my life are not favorable or not all the conditions I would like to have, the fact that I have the right person in my life who is Christ, everything's good, man. And while I'm in this presence of God, I am fully aware that everything is being worked for my good. And when you understand that, you will be able to say, this is the season that I'm in. I'm okay with it. I'm content in it. And I'm good with it. The devil's ultimate objective is to get us so focused on pursuing happiness that you need these conditions. Why be happy when you don't got no man? Why be happy when you don't have no wife, no husband? You don't have no children yet. You're so focused. Many of us are so focused on the conditions we don't have versus the correct um, 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 condition that we do have, our state in God. Let's keep going. Next point in our notes. We are an extreme threat when we remain and when we remain in and execute from the Lord's presence. We are an extreme threat when we remain and execute from the Lord's presence. What that means is the enemy wants us to give our joy away. He wants us not to be content. He wants us to be impulsive. He wants us to be impatient. He doesn't want us to really engage and execute from God's presence, meaning when we are in the presence of God, we will always be strengthened. It's hard to tempt a person who's content. 
It's hard to tempt someone who is okay with God, who doesn't need anything or any other thing more than God. They are fully content, fully aware of why they are where they are. And even though they desire to be another place, contentment, I want to make sure I make this clear. Contentment doesn't mean complacent. There's nothing wrong with still desiring a place in life. There's nothing wrong with desiring to be somewhere, but you are fully aware of why you are here. Always say this, you can't spell there without here. So until you maximize here, you will never get there. And so when people get so caught up on there, they mismanage here, but you can't have there until you manage here. You're not going to be able to be able to fully manage the place called there if you're not able <coughs> to manage the place called here. You got to be able to be fully aware of why you are where you are so that you can be able to recognize the work of God, which will then put you at a place of ease and say, you know what? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I love that verse. Unfortunately, many of us are so focused on tomorrow that we never enjoy today. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. Every single day that God has made for you is a customized day. Even though the sun rises and the sun sets for all of us, every day is made differently for us. So what happens to many of us is when we're in a pursuit of happiness, we rush through custom-made days. How many presents have you left unwrapped? How many days have you yet to unwrap to find out what God hidden in that day for you to be in, uh, prepared for success for tomorrow? This is the day the Lord has made. I will choose to rejoice. I'm going to be thankful for it. I'm going to look and count my blessings more than I count my burdens. And you heard me say this. If you count, if you take time to count your blessings, you will never have time to count your burdens. The first thing you count in the morning reveals the temperament of your soul. The first thing you count in the morning will reveal the temperament of your soul. If you wake up in the morning and all you can think about are your burdens, then your temperament in your heart is a in, is a, in a disposition of, of, of insecurity or idolatry. But if you wake up in the morning and you are thankful for life, thankful for who, what you have and who you have, then you're in a place of joy. And then you will be full and be strengthened to navigate um, the, the challenges of your day. This is the day that the Lord has made. How many days have we thrown away? It could be that since many of us have not experienced death, we don't really know the value of a day. I tell you who knows the value of a day, the people who are on their deathbed. Those people are now valuing days. But because we have this abundant life and we have life and we have all these options, we take for granted today. Therefore, our days are not as valuable because our day today is not as good as the dream of we have tomorrow. Tomorrow should never be better than your today. Your today is more valuable than your tomorrow because the only day you have, only thing you have now is the moment. But most people are so trapped in, I gotta get there but they forget about the formula of formula of life. If you can't take care of today, you won't be able to take care of what you desire tomorrow. So we got to be in a place where we understand that we are more of a threat to the enemy and we're more of a blessing to others when we are engaged and are executing from his presence. We are an extreme threat when we remain and execute the Lord's presence. Next point. God's presence in our lives, hear me closely. 
God's presence in our lives are God's presence in our lives preserves our personality. It preserves our purpose. It preserves the people that are connected to us. It preserves his promises in our lives. And this happens when we ensure that we are being preserved by the word of God, by worshiping him with our life, by surrounding ourselves with worshipers, by the work that we do for him and by the warfare we execute. Now, what does that mean? When we are in God's presence, what I mean by tapping into God's presence, let's make that plain since this is a teaching um, platform. Um, Nothing can separate us from the presence of God. God is omniscient and God is omnipresent. God's presence is everywhere. Connection in God's presence is twofold. All of us are connected in God's presence, whether we uh, agree or disagree. That's why the Bible says in him that we live, move, and have our being. All of us are being sustained by the all-encompassing, all-filling presence of God. Let me make sure I make this also clear. God and Satan are not equal. Satan is not an enemy of God. If you if you make someone an enemy of God, that almost eludes they're equal to God. God has no enemies. God has no one equal to him, no one even close and equal into him. Satan is not omnipresent. His goal is to utilize systems, demons, and individuals to make this massive world small as possible, where he's able through technology to be able to be, quote unquote, everywhere through cell phones, <coughs> through cameras, through um, whatever, right? But when it comes to the presence of God, I just want to make that plain. Now, when it comes to the presence of God, there's two types of people. Or two types of connection to his presence. Either you're connected simply because you're just a living being in, in his presence, or you are a person that's mentally tapped into his presence. So many people will say, well, I'm always in the presence of God. No, my wife is in the house right now. If my wife was in a room right now and my heart's not with her, her presence is in the room, but I'm not mentally engaged with her. And then she'll be able to recognize you're here, we're close, but we're not, you're not in my presence, right? So what happens is many people think that, well, I'm always, that's cool, we're always in God's presence, but we're not truly immersed, engaged in, operating in, aware of, uh, uh, appreciative of, uh, uh, thriving in, because our minds are not tapped in. So we have to understand that when we are in the presence of God, we are saying that I am fully aware of his attributes. I'm fully aware of who he is. I'm appreciative of who he is. I'm aware and aware of who he is and what he's doing. And I acknowledge him with any major, major decision in my life. I am fully aware, fully appreciative and fully in a disposition of acknowledging who he is and where he is. That's tapping into his presence where I am aware and I'm engaging with and I'm in love with and I'm aware of who he is. So many people, we are in each other's presence, but if we're not mentally engaged, we're not even aware of people's presence. You ever been in a room when everybody's on their cell phone? <clears throat> many people are in the same room, but tapped into another world. When your mind is more tapped in and more aware of the world system than it is into the spirit of the Savior, then you'll find yourself in the pursuit of happiness versus sitting in the same room while everybody else is pursuing happiness. But your world and your life may not be as good as theirs, but your soul is better. And what I mean by that, your soul is richer. You're able to say, you know what, God, I may not have the house that I want. 
but God, I'm glad I got a roof. I may not have a husband. I may not have a wife, but God, I got you. It's hard to desire something more when you have the enough. When you have the Mr. Enough, the one who's enough, it's very hard when you really love him and you really know him. It's hard to desire something greater. Unfortunately, we oftentimes make another thing greater than the all-encompassing individual who is God. So what happens is the enemy wants to change the way we view the value of things. What he does is value the value marriage more than you value God. Value money more than you value God. He wants to program our minds to think that these other things are more valuable than God's presence, that these conditions will truly make you happy. But I can tell you, you can ask anyone who ever reached the pinnacle of success without God, they still feel as empty as they ever felt, if not more. You can go to the highest peak of success. Without the joy of the Lord, you will still feel empty. Ask all these billionaires. Ask all these millionaires. Ask anybody who's married with money, whatever they have. I bet you they'll tell you if you really was a fly on the wall, their life will tell and scream to you that they are still not happy. They can't sleep at night. They can't rest in the day. They can't enjoy what they have because what they have still in their heart is never enough. Thank you for that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added. That's the thing we have to understand. God doesn't mean, doesn't mind adding things to our lives. He wants to make sure he adds things in our lives. God don't mind adding things around your life, but he wants to add things in your life. And what I mean by in your life, God cares about installing the, the in, in material qualities of life. He wants to install, instill in us love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness. He wants to install these different things because those are the immaterial things that will help us manage the material things. You see what I'm saying? But we have to understand that nothing is more valuable than God. You should, we should be, we should endeavor to get to a season of life where we say, God, I don't have everything I would like to have, but I have everything I must have. And that's you. I'm telling so many people, they, they want God and versus just God. When you get to a place where all you're good with is God, it makes the environment, it makes, it's better to be in an apartment where God is than being multiple mansions where he's not. It's better to be full of joy in in the in, in a in a small shack in the in the middle of sedan than to be in a mega penthouse in New York without God. I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is not our home. See, is how many people got big mansions, can't even compare to the sweeper of the gold floors, house in heaven. And all these things down here is nothing but dung compared to where, where, where our home is. And when you have that perspective, you're just glad that you're enlisted in the army. You're just glad that you were called and drawn by his goodness. You're just thankful that he loves you and that he pursued you and that you're a son of God. And then everything else is just cool. Every time I get more money, every time I get more blessings, I give more. Every time I get something else, I'm like, God, cool. That's nice. I'm just glad I'm with you. That's all I care about. I don't care if this ministry don't even grow anymore. I'm thankful that I get to speak on behalf of a living God. Perspective is everything. And perspective is the fruit of joy. 
Joy says, I am fully aware. I have full perspective of, of what is going on in my life. And you will be able to see the richness of your singleness when you know the individual that's with you. God's presence in our lives, it preserves. When I'm in his presence, there's a fullness of joy. The Bible says, let me find that scripture. Um, it says Proverbs 17, 22. It says a joyful heart is good medicine. These, these scriptures are not just metaphors and just cute sayings. These, these are like real principles. Oh, my wife's in the building. Thank you, babe. Uh, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Basically, what God is saying, my joy preserves. Like if you if you really are fully aware of who I am and fully aware of my purposes and plans for you, if you're fully aware of what I'm trying to build internally, the immaterial um, um, components of the soul that will enable you to manage anything in your life, when you begin to understand that, then you will be self-medicating. You think you the reason why people going after all these pills, going after all these drugs, smoking, doing these different things, sleeping with this person, that person to try to find some peace. They're paying all this money for something that's free in Christ. You can really the joy of the Lord is medicine. When your heart is joyful, it does something down to the cellular level of your body. It, 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 you have, you're optimistic. You're not stressed. You at rest. Rest is a medicine. Stress is poison. And what happens is the pursuit of happiness is a stressful journey. And I was guilty of it. That's why I gave this ministry to God. God, I can't. It's too unbearable. I'm not stressing over no ministry. I'm not stressing over no marriage. I'm not stressing over when children. I'm not stressing. I'm resting because I refuse to, to, to self uh, uh, poison my life. I want to stay in the presence of God where my body is always rejuvenating and my body has its own medicine because I'm not pressed. The leading cause of death is stress. The leading cause of life is rest. <laughs> the leading cause of life is resting in Christ. The leading cause of death is stressing outside of Christ. That is the two main foundations where most people are building their lives on. Those who are preserved are resting in the finished work of Christ. Those who are breaking down and their bones are crushed and they're, and they're barely able to navigate are those who's building their lives on sand and outside of the Holy Spirit. God's presence, when we are tapped in mentally and our minds have been renewed of who he is and recognize his, his, his tangible presence, it will preserve our personality, meaning the joy of the Lord will literally preserve who you, it will preserve you. It's unfortunate how many people are, are, are becoming copies and they're stressing themselves out so they can be accepted. The joy of the Lord doesn't lead you to be accepted. It don't care if all your friends are married. Cool. I got God. So you still preserve yourself. You don't compromise yourself. You don't start dressing unmodestly. You don't start um, carrying yourself a certain kind of way to be a part of these clubs and be a part of these groups. You just be like, you know what? I got the joy of the Lord. Y'all can talk about me all you want. You can pick on me all you want. I'm preserved. I want the real Josh Ezra to stand up. I want the real me to always be. I refuse to be a copy of anyone else, man. I want to be me. 
So when I'm in the presence of God and, and understand it, tapping into the presence of God is a day-to-day -day thing. And we'll talk about systems that will ensure that you do that. But when it comes to preserving your personality, joy has a way of saying, you know what? Y'all, y'all, y'all good. Do what you want to do. I'm cool with being me. Because I, if, if I'm not me, I miss out what's for me. When you become a copy of someone else, everything that's looking for you can't find you. I'm looking for Josh, but Josh is trying to be like Jerome. And if I'm over there trying to be like Jerome, everything for Joshua Ejike Ezzy is like, we can't find the real Josh. Therefore, I guess we give up. No, the Holy Spirit and having joy preserves our personality. You would be completely okay with being you. You would be completely okay with being you being single. You would be completely okay because your personality is being preserved. And that's what's amazing about the joy of the Lord. It will preserve you. And that's what we got to understand about walking and allowing the presence of God to preserve our personality. Secondly, God's present lives will preserve our purpose. That the more our personality is preserved, the more we in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, then our purposes will be more clear. We'll know what we're supposed to do. It will be more preserved. I won't be over here trying to do this. That the one of the scriptures that's taken out of context all the time is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. That is flawed if you view it improperly. You can't do everything. Christ is not going to strengthen me to do your purpose. He's not. I can do all the things in accordance to my purpose and to what Christ wants me to do through Christ who strengthens me. He would not strengthen you to be a copy of someone else. You would be operating off your own strength. That's why my goal is to seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his rights. Do you know what that means? I got to, the kingdom is where I'm going to end up. Those who are saved, the kingdom is where you're going to end up. But even though we're not in the kingdom in regards to glorification or glorified bodies, we're in the kingdom because of salvation. Since we're in the kingdom, we're seeking first the kingdom's assignment for me in this land. God ordered my steps. That's right. The steps of a good man or woman ordered by the Lord. And when we understand seek first the kingdom, I'm seeking first the kingdom's assignment for me in this earth realm until I'm in the kingdom in the eternal realm. I got to seek first the kingdom. I wake up every day. Kingdom, what you want me to do? What's the assignment for me, Holy Spirit? What does the kingdom want for me today? And in order for you to know what the kingdom wants, you got to get in the word of God. <clears throat> But when it comes to the day's specific operations, the Holy Spirit will say, will lead and guide you to the truth of the kingdom. So I'm seeking that first. I'm not seeking, you know, you shouldn't be seeking for no man. You shouldn't be seeking for no husband. You shouldn't be seeking for any promotion. <clears throat> Your whole focus is, what does the kingdom of God want me to do today? It then says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. Do you know how much time that encompasses that every day? <clears throat> I'm in, always in self-awareness and self-assessment mode where I'm able to say, was this the right thing to do? Am I doing this the right way? My goal is to seek first all of his righteousness where I'm able to say, I am doing, I, because I'm in right standing with Christ, am inspired from my right standing in him to do things right in every area. 
And if I do that perpetually every day, seeking what the king wants me to do every day and seeking to do things right in every area in my life to ensure that God gets the glory, things will find themselves added to your life. And that's what we have to understand what it means by the presence of God preserving us. It will preserve our personality, our purpose, and the people that are connected to us. When we're in the presence of God, when I'm as a man, as the husband and a leader of my home, when I'm in the joy of the Lord, it preserves my wife. It preserve, It will preserve my children. It will preserve my family because joy is contagious. So if I'm always in joy, and if, let's say if I have a bad day, because my wife is in the presence of God, and she is full with joy. I can't be sad long. That's why the devil wants us fighting against flesh and blood. Joyful people shouldn't be arguing online right now. There's nothing wrong with having a, a passion for injustice. But if you if you arguing back and forth with your brother and sister more than you are fighting a warfare against the devil and the principality of police brutality, then you're just walking in animosity and walking in hate. But when you got joy, you like, you able to see and have able to preserve. You're not able, you're not in a disposition that's distracting from your family. You're now in a place where everybody connected to me is preserved because joy has a way of removing darkness. I told someone in a coach session this week, you can never cut on darkness in the middle of light. What I mean by that, if you flip the switch, let's say if you flip the switch and you try to cut darkness on, light doesn't go away. But when you cut light on, darkness goes away. You can't turn on darkness and light disappear. You could turn on light and darkness disappear. So what I mean by that, when I come into the room as a thermostat and I say, you know what? My thermostat is always set on joy. So when I walk into a room, the room has to bow to joy. That's why you got to be a carrier of joy because darkness has to bow to light. Light doesn't bow to darkness. You see what I'm saying? Darkness only manifests when light leaves. When light comes in a room, darkness is gone completely. Maybe in a little corner somewhere, but light will find darkness. So when you come into the room, you got to always be set on joy so that you can preserve the room, so that you can preserve the, the promises, the purposes that God wants you to do in that place. That's why being mentally tapped in into the presence of the Lord, entering his joy, Entering his joy every day and being glad in it has a way of preserving things. It also preserves the promises in our lives. When you start tapping out of the presence of God, your money start getting funny. All the promises that are that are uh, yes and amen for the believer, it starts dwindling <clears throat> because now you start using those things outside of his purposes. If you want the promises, sweet sleep and long life will satisfy you and all these different promises in the word of God. You gotta be in his presence. Now we're not talking about um, the the pruning, uh, preserving things of life where God's grace encompasses those areas where God knows that you're growing this area and He's preserving you despite what you're doing. We're talking about you're fully aware of what you're doing and you're doing it anyway, and you're deciding not to follow God. You're deciding to turn your back on God, whether it's for a season or whatnot. And then all those promises, then you start losing sleep. Now you're not getting sweet sleep no more. Now you're cutting days and years off your life because you're doing addictions and doing things and putting yourself in dangerous situations. So staying mentally tapped in to what the kingdom wants and seeking how to do the right thing in every area in this earthly realm has a way of keeping things added to it. I don't ever have to worry about money coming to me. I don't have to worry about it. 
because I'm seeking first the kingdom. If you seek money, money will always flee. You seek God, money will seek you. Anytime you keep your face on the things that God and focus on, things will be added. You take your face away from God and focusing on marriage more than God, focusing on money more than God, things will start being subtracted. But Josh, I'm kind of doing good without God. Cool. We're not talking about um, um, if it will be subtracted. We're going to talk about when it will be subtracted. It ain't about, oh, I got great things now. Oh, it's going to be taken away. Oh, it's going to fall out your life. Keep sinning. <laughs> Keep sinning. And you'll see start, you start seeing things dwindling. <laughs> it is what it is. You may have a bunch of money now. You may got all the women now. You may got access to every room in the country right now, but it won't be there for long without God. Because promotion doesn't come from east to west. It comes from God. So what I'm telling people is joy has a way of saying, I'm good, man. <clears throat> I'm fully content because this is not my home. If this is your home, you got to be stressful here. This is my home. Oh, my gosh. I care too much about what's going on. My home is in heaven, man. You know what's good about being in a pilgrim passing through? Uh, if your company sends you off to another state to do business, right, that company pays for the rental car. That company pays for your uh, housing. That company pays for your food if you got a good company, right? They pay for everything for you to do the work. If you're doing the work on behalf of the company, that company is responsible in paying for all of the amenities to make sure that you are at a place of comfort to do the work. The same is with us. Unfortunately, many people are in this realm. God sent us. He packed us out of us for a particular purpose. We were like parachutes, that uh, <clears throat> soldiers that jumped out of a helicopter and we got all in. We dropped into a mother's womb and we came out and God packed us out of us a specific purpose for a specific plan for a specific point in time, right? But most of us are down here and we're working, but we're not working for the kingdom. And most people, like a bad employee that is being sent to work, they'll go to the other state. And instead of doing the work of that company, they start buying a house. They start, but the house was already paid for, <clears throat> provided for the type of housing. But this, this type of housing is not what I really want. So I, instead of accepting what God has given me for this juncture, I'm going to go and try to give me a mansion. Oh, I know God gave me this 1987 or a 2004 car, but I want something better. And, and God is saying, be okay with what I provided for you to do the work. Because sometimes a type of car that you may be driving can be a hindrance to the ministry. You driving into the hood with a Bentley, but God's saying you setting yourself up to making yourself idolized by the people versus being the people drawn to me. So God's saying, maybe I didn't want you to have a big house right now. Maybe I didn't want you to have a big car right now because it could be in contradiction to the ministry that I want you to do. But wise pilgrim says, this is not my home. I accept everything that God has provided for me for this juncture of my life. I'm okay with it. This house that I'm in right now, it may, it's not our dream home, but it's the house that God, God wants us in this city for a reason, in this neighborhood for a reason, beside these two neighbors for a reason, for ministry. You don't know it could be the reason why you're in that house that you hate the neighborhood could be for one day in August. August the 16th could be the very day your neighbor needed you and God only had you living there for five years to be a light to that neighbor, to save that neighbor. Then God said, now we can move. A pilgrim like myself and how believers should be, and that's what I'm endeavoring to be, I'm okay with whatever God has. Why, would, why, why am I going to ask God for a Bentley truck and God saying the ministry for right now is for you to be in that black Durango, Josh. 
And Josh, if I if you do get a billing truck, you will get so caught up in yourself and you will lose sight. So why I get so concerned about, but I want a better car? No, we don't need nothing better. We have the best. You see what I'm saying? That's right, babe. She says it's bigger than us. And the moment you start looking at us, you forget about the bigger picture. <clears throat> so basically, we have to be that employee that says, what is the assignment you have for me in this city, in this neighborhood, in this house, in this car, at this job? And God, whatever you provide, whatever you provide, I'm content with. If you want me to drive this car for a season, cool. I'm just thankful that I can get from point A to point B. I'm not thinking about uh, people be laughing at me because I still got this 5S phone. People still be laughing. I'm like, listen, <clears throat> I don't, I don't, I'm, a, I'm still on the 5S. I don't got time to get no X. This, it, this thing may not do the same as that, but it makes phone calls. It still gives me my Google app. It still has my cash apps. It still has my social media. I don't, what else do I need? It does everything I need that I need for the junction of my life. I don't need a better phone to have better pictures. I don't need that. Because I'm fully aware that if it does what it does, no matter if it's at the lowest level of the price bracket or the highest part of the price bracket, they both do the same thing. A 2005 Honda and a 2021 Bentley Coupe or a Rolls Royce, they both do the same thing. They have different amenities. Cool. I understand. But they still take you from point A to point B. These Adidas that my wife and her family, the Adidas that they buy me for, for birthdays and Christmases, I don't got to get Jordans. They both do the same thing. I don't got to get no $2,000 jacket. I can go to Goodwill, to GW, and get me a nice jacket. They both do the same thing. Yes, they got greater comforts, but do they do the same thing? They do the same thing. So why do I want a new thing when I got an, 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 when I already got the thing that it does the thing that I'm trying to get? You save more money that way. You're more preserved that way. You at peace that way. You out the way. What was that movie where the guy who was doing all this kind of bad stuff? I forgot. Denzel was the actor, and he started wearing that fur coat, and that's what got him caught. Sometimes you just gotta stay at the level. I ain't talking about being a criminal, but sometimes you just gotta stay where you are. Because when, like, if I drive a Bentley Coupe, I'm an Amelia Target. If I drive a regular car, nobody ain't thinking about me. If I'm trying to have the biggest man, I don't want no big ministry like that. Because I don't want that many people knowing me. I just want the people that I'm supposed to reach. Some of us in ministry, we're trying to reach people that God never allocated for us to reach. So what we do is God said, are you okay, Josh, if you only reach 20,000 people in your whole life? Are you okay with that? I told God, yeah, buddy. I don't even want to call him buddy like that because he ain't my buddy. He's my father, my friend. But I said, God, I'm good with that. I don't got to reach a million people. I don't got to. I don't want to reach more. I don't want to meet. I don't want to reach one more person more than I'm supposed to. Because you know what happens? Anytime you get one more than you should have, you start leaving God and being full of pride. There's a scripture that says, um, Father, don't give me no more than I need. To, uh, to, don't give me don't give me uh, more that I leave you and don't give me less to the point that I steal. Something like that. Basically what it's saying is, give me what I need. Give me my daily bread. I don't mind having extra bread, but that's because I'm mature enough to manage that bread. But what I'm saying is, all I need, God, is your daily bread. Don't give me no more than I need because if I do, I'll go, I'll, I'll leave you. God, 
I got more. I'm going to leave you. God, I don't want, I don't, don't make me poor now, God. God, God will always keep you at the middle at a place of humility and a place of purpose. God will never elevate you one step above or he'll never bring you too low. God will never bring you too low that you be out here stealing and being distracted. God will provide and sustain you. Ain't none of us hungry. You see, my cheeks are still full. You see, coach is still healthy looking. So God is still sustaining. But we shouldn't be trying to get above where we are to the point to where we start being discontent where we are. And then we'll be like, you know what? Then we leave God. Soon as that first, soon as there is a counterfeit of a man in your life, you're gone. You don't pray like you used to. You don't read like you used to. As soon as that girl come in your life. See, I talked to a lady today, life coaching this week, and I told her it's unfortunate how many people immediately um, um, uh, distribute their time. Anything that God adds to your life doesn't take away from something else. If a man is in your life and you allow that man to take time from God and time from your family and time from yourself, then it's not from God. If you start finding yourself um, um, not praying like you used to, not reading like you used to, not doing things like you used to, and all your time is consumed with this thing, then you've been set in a trap. God, when God brings something to you, it will. It may be like this, but it won't be like this. You're going to have moments where you're adjusting. I'm not going to be unrealistic. You're going to be adjusting. You're not going to read. Everything ain't going to be, boom, perfect balance. And perfect balance is, is, is non-achievable. Uh, 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 perfect balance. A, a proximity balance is achievable, where it's like, it's like this most of the time. It's like this, but it's never like that because that's perfect. And, and, and most of the time, a lot of people's like this. So what happens is when someone comes, boom, God's booked out the way. Thanks, God. Appreciate you. Thank you, God. We good without you. That's not what God wants. God wants when things are added to your life, they're still juggling. Smooth. Ain't going to throw something else. Oh, yeah, we good. See, we got to be okay with where we juggle. If you're only good with one ball, stay there. Single. If you're single, just stay with one ball. You can juggle. It's good. Bam. I'm good. Then when you get good at that, God start bringing, boom, oh, 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 I'm good. Then God bring a baby, it, it won't be all no, you, you, you I, can, I can juggle all this, we good. I don't want no more. God would not throw an extra ball in the mix and mess up things, okay? Let's keep going for time's sake because I ain't even got halfway, I ain't even get to the scriptures yet. And you know when coach gets to the scriptures, that's 30 minutes right there. That's 30 minutes just in the text alone. And I still got a lot of points. It also preserves the promises. And this happens when we ensure that we are being preserved by the word. The word of God preserves. Um, um, uh, walking in worship, walking in righteousness preserves. Um, 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 being around believers that believe the same thing aids in that preservation. Working on our purpose helps preserve those things as well as understanding warfare and being proactive with your warfare preserves. Let's keep going. Now, let's break down some scriptures. I love God's word. Let's get into it. Let's not take no more time away. Let's get right into it. Um, uh, well, let's start with Psalm 1611. These quick scriptures real quick. I think I have one, two, three, four, maybe six, seven of them. But it says in Psalm 1611, and for those who need the worksheet, you can download the worksheet now at lifeword.teachable.com. And we also got uh, other worksheets. Oh, I didn't download all the, uh, yeah, I did. We got worksheets and all that kind of stuff for you over there. Um, it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Let's read about Martha. 
and Mary. I love this text. It says, you make known to me the path. Like, like you got to, like, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because a servant don't know what the master is doing, but a friend does. I want to be so close to God. You know, you know, mentorship is a very powerful thing. The reason why mentorship is powerful because you can get you can get gems for free. Mentorship is supposed to be where I get access to a person's wealth of knowledge. Many people, they want to get close to people's wealth, but wise, smart people or or people, period, uh, low level people, low level thinking people. Let's make it plain, plain. Low level thinking people want access to people's wealth. High level thinking people want access to people's wealth of thoughts, wealth mindset, the wealth of mind. I don't care about my pastor's money. I don't care about the people that I look to's money. I care about their mindset and thought processes. Because if you can think like a millionaire, if you can think like a, a successful husband, if you can think like a, a, a healthy, let's talk about it. If you, if you can think like a healthy steward and think like a healthy preacher and think like a healthy husband, then you will, then you will be successful as a husband successful with money, etc. It is the thought patterns that you should be desiring info from, not the results of that thought pattern. Because I want to be taught how to fish so that I can fish. Because people want access to people's wealth and be dependent on it. No, I don't depend on God. I'm interdependent with everything else. Dependence on God says, I'm good with God. So the only reason why I'm up under my pastor, the only reason why I'm up, I watch certain people and whatever, I don't need them. I appreciate them, I love them, and I honor them. But my heart is in allegiance to God. I'm there to learn the thought process that God has taught them so that I can be successful in these other areas of life. I don't need your wealth. I need the wealth of your mind so I can go fish for myself. If you teach me how to fish, I don't got to fish in your pond. I can go find my own pond with my own fish and fish for myself. And then it'll be a top, top thing that I teach to others. But that's what access does. It's crazy. We we want God's um 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 gift. We want God's gifts, but we don't want him. I don't want God's wealth. I want God's mind. If I have God's mind, I can get access to God's wealth. If I got God's mind, I'll know how to manage his wealth. See what I'm saying? I, you you should desire a person's mindset, not their money. Because if they give you their money, boop solve one problem but if you get them if you understand their mindset you can solve many problems i'm giving y'all free game for free 99. it says you make known to me the path of life i god paid not for us to be no he didn't just pay for abundant life he paid for the access to life when when jesus dropped in spirit and he died right the veil was torn he the veil Back in the Bible day, the veil they talking about was a thick veil. That thing wasn't no curtain. Oh, I'm in the, I'm in the presence. Yeah, God, what's up? No, it was a thick veil, torn top to bottom as a declaration that now my children can come and talk to me. Let's talk. That's why I love talking to God. God, God, that's how you think about that? Bet I'm thinking like that about my wife. That's how you want me to think about children? I'm thinking about that right now before I even have kids. God, I want access to your mind. I want access to you because if I have the mind of Christ, I'll have the success of Christ. You make known to me the path. See, God will give you a path. That's powerful. 
God, give me promises. God, I want promises. Give me promises, God. God gives you a path. God gives you the formula. God, give me, give me a husband. He'll give this is what God does. God, God, I want a husband. Okay. God, I want a wife. Bet. God, I want, I want, I want success like that person. Cool. You place an order. God, you pray, you place an order. God, this is what I want. You customize it. This is what I like. God said, okay, confirmation. We got your email. We good. One thing about God, God is not like Amazon and God is not like your employer. He's not like Amazon. Amazon Prime, you get it in two days. He's not like your employer. You get it in money in two weeks. God says, okay, we got you. He said, I'll give you a piece of past understanding. A piece means I heard your prayer. I heard you. Bet. I got you. It's on its way. And you know what? It, how it comes when it shows up? Parts. <laughs> It comes in a box full of parts. He says, okay, cool. Here are the parts. If you put it together, you'll get a husband. If you put this together, you'll get a wife. And most of us, but I thought I, I thought you just gave me a box. I thought he's gonna send me someone six four. God, okay, I got a box. I thought you're gonna send me a girl look like this. God says, here we go. Here's the path to life. You follow it, you get it. You don't. You don't get it. <laughs> he says, you reveal to me the path of life. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Why is it narrow? Because you can't take everything down this path. He says, in your presence, there is a fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Me, oh, my wife said that was a great. Come on now. That was great now. That's from the Holy Spirit in, the, in our house. He's always here with us, babe. And he's giving me revelation like he gives you. In his presence, there's a fullness of joy at your right. I want to be so close to God that at his right hand, there's pleasures ever, forevermore. Let's go read about Mary and Martha. I, I, I felt like God wanted me to um, talk about Mary and Martha. And if I got to do a part two, I'll do a part two to this if I don't have time to cover everything. But I, but y'all, we got 82 with us today. And I know y'all rocking with me. I know y'all learning something. So let's 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 take our time through the word of God. And, and, and let's see what he has to say. All right. It says in uh, Luke chapter um, 10, verses 38 through 42, it talks about Mary and Martha. And there's two types of people here. And, and one person of, of that are that is desired to be pleased. And we're going to see which one are us, is us, or which one do we fall into. Now, Martha and Mary says, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed into the house. He was like, hey, y'all good? Y'all hungry? Martha probably was known for her chicken. Martha was probably known. And Jesus was like, I'm going to this village on Tuesday. Because I know, come on, Jesus was all knowing. Jesus knew Martha. He, Martha could cook. So Jesus came in. He said, okay, we're going to go through Martha's village. <laughs> Martha's village. We're going to go through Martha's village. And we're going to go through, we're going to cool back Martha. I, you know, sometimes we walk in, we, we walk a certain way by big mama, walk by, walk by mama a certain way because we know if we come at the right time, we'll get something. This is what Jesus was doing. Just joking. But now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. The word will teach itself. 
but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. That portion is joy. Let's break it down verse by verse. In verse 39, and she's had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. Now, let's stop there. For everyone who thinks that the Bible is misogynistic and is full of male dominance, you don't understand or read the Bible correctly. Culturally, culturally, if you thought today was whatever, in the Bible days, culture, the women were not even supposed, was not even supposed to be at teacher's feet. The fact that Jesus allowed her to sit there was countercultural. The fact that he sat at the well at another story at a, at, in, in, in his life with the woman at the well was countercultural. So when Mary, Mary felt enough comfort to say, I don't care what the cultural norms say. The cultural norm says I should be doing devotions and I should be praying this long. I should be doing a cultural. No, no cultural norm says, where is Jesus sitting? I'm going to sit there. It says Jesus who, uh, uh, and Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. How much time do we make to sit at God's feet? She met Martha technically wasn't doing a bad thing. She just wasn't doing the best thing. Jesus been told the people, my food is to do the will of the Lord. I know Martha. Listen, I know you got the best biscuits in town. I know you got the best chicken in town. But what you got cooking in the oven for us is not greater than what God the Father has cooked in me by his spirit for me to give y'all. You cannot outserve God. So some of us, we forget that he says, we no longer call you servants. I call you friend. So sit at my feet. Most of us, we are so distracted doing ministry, distracted putting posts together, distracted building businesses, building barns and building bigger barns. And we don't got no joy. Mary was chose what was necessary. Let's keep reading. And she went up to him and said, because Martha was distracted. You know, how, you know how she was at the kitchen drop, making making noise with the plates. Jesus was trying to teach you. Martha, good. No, no, not because Jesus knew everything. When the disciples were like, man, what? Is Martha okay? It smelled good in there, but she, you know how you making noises, grunting, uh, uh, making noises until she got fed up. And Martha was like, look, I'm tired. And she says, man, tell her then to help me. Oh, no, she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now she had the audacity to be like, Jesus. The Pharisees would have been told to come in the kitchen. Do you not care? Basically, what she's saying is, tell her. She basically is it's crazy how we can be brothers and sisters trying to rob each other from God's glory. So what happens is, well, you're not doing as much as me. Now we're getting it works right. You're not doing as much as me. And now we're trying to pull people away from what was supposed to be for them. Never let somebody else working for a relationship, working for marriage, pull you from your place in Christ and your singleness. Just because everyone's working for love and working to get married and being distracted, trying to make themselves available, being on singlemingle.com, being all these different places, making themselves available, just because they're being distracted. Cool. You ever heard of the 10 virgins in the Bible? The five wise and the five foolish? The five wise preserved their oil. The five foolish ran out of oil. And then when the day came for them to use their oil, the people didn't, the virgins didn't, didn't have it. They were committed to Christ. 
They, they all were committed. They didn't have no other man, virgin. Think about it, no spiritual adultery. They was committed. But commitment is bigger. Commitment is saying, I know how to pace myself to preserve myself during this time, through my commitment with God. I know when to work for him. I know when to worship him. I know I find my balance. And that's how you preserve your oil. But Martha was busy. The Bible says, Jesus spoke there, said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. All she was doing was cooking. See, just because we see a person's symptoms, God see the source. People was like, Peter was like, while oh, Martha was talking, Peter went in the kitchen, got a biscuit. Peter was smart. Peter was like, but Peter went back, got him a biscuit, came back. Jesus said, Jesus said this. And Peter thought to himself, he was like, all I saw was she was just cooking. Jesus was like, Peter, man, hold on, bring biscuits, baby. Martha still got good biscuits. Bring them biscuits in. I'm going to tell you something. He was like, Martha, Martha, you are ancient in trouble about many things. Deeper. People who try to serve a lot are troubled and anxious people. I try to outserve God so that God can serve me big. So if I serve God big, I'll get big. No, that ain't, that ain't think the form of life. That's self-righteousness. That's uh, working for salvation. Uh, I just do what I'm told. I just, I just, I'm just led. And whatever comes, comes. Whatever don't's cool. But most of us, we're anxious in trouble. Well, if if I can just make myself available, okay, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just make this shorter. Maybe I'll get a husband. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, oh. If I could just, okay, let me, let me, let me just get a, let me just get a Mercedes, and maybe I'll get. So we work him. Oh, let me just serve the church. And if I serve the church, God going to bless me big. Oh, I'm going to give God uh, 30% of my income so that God can bring me, but uh, repay me 60% back. No, you do because you, because he did. <laughs> you do only because he did. And because he did that, you feel generous and you want to do. Don't do so that he'll do. Do because he did. That's it. I'm inspired by what he did. Therefore, I do. But I do what is right. And it continues to read. Jesus, who knew deeper, said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Everything else is cool. But if you don't do this, everything ain't cool. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen a good portion. You have chosen as a single person. If you choose to be at God's feet and to be content and to be full of his joy, you chose the best portion. I don't care if you don't got no man. I don't care if you don't got no woman. I don't care if you don't got a lot of money. If you at Jesus' feet, you're full, man. <laughs> Listen, that's why when when dudes when I used to play ball at the at the YMCA downtown with a bunch of uh, bankers and people who got money, um, this was after God had checked me about my competitiveness, and then He began because I used to get mad. I used to. I, I used to get so competitive to the point to where if a person act like they got more money than me, I had to defend myself. And God was like, Josh, you can't see what you got up here. See, let them walk in their pride because they got their houses. And, and when you drive, because we used to play ball other places, I'll pull up in my 2008 Durango. And these people pulling up in Land Rovers and Range Rovers. I play ball. I don't play ball with the hood people. I, listen, I play ball with people who got stuff to lose. I, I decide not to ever play ball with people who ain't got nothing to lose. Uh-uh. I stopped playing at a certain while. There was a bunch of hood people there. And hood people, I remember one time I have teacher work days. Now, when I used to go to the gym at 10 o'clock and the gym before, I'm like, this is 1030 in the morning. Y'all ain't got no jobs. <laughs> Why are 
y'all hooping every day at 10 30. Unless y'all work third shift. I didn't want to assume. But I only play ball with people who got money. I play ball with people who got families. I play ball with people who got jobs and stuff to lose because they ain't stupid and it won't make me do nothing stupid. But if you start playing ball with hood people, bro, you don't know what they're going to go to the trunk for. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to say is, is that, man, I forgot what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. When people used to drive up with these Land Rovers and Range Rovers, I used to feel certain kind of way. I'm like, man, they got nice cars, man. And God was like, bro, cool. Let them play ball. Let them act like they're better than you. Let them. They don't got nothing. They bankrupt towards me. I don't want to be rich before y'all and bankrupt before God. Listen, we'll see. We'll see when we all get the glory. <laughs> Who really been stockpiling up in heaven. But Mary chose what was necessary. It doesn't matter what they're doing outside of you. It don't matter how much they have and who they only happy on the grip. If, if all you know about a person is what they post online, you're probably being lied to. You're probably being lied to. So what I'm saying is, if you had Jesus' feet, Mary was so caught up in God. She didn't because a good sister would have been like, oh, OK, Martha, I'm coming. A good sister would have been like, oh, oh, OK, I'm coming. She was so connected to Jesus. She didn't hear the noise Martha was making. You got to be so connected to God. You can't hear the noises of the world. Come on, man. You you got a good sister. This is going to be like, oh, geez, I'll be right back. Stop right there. Don't stop at the story. I'll be right back. My sister. No. Mary was so. This was Mary the whole time. All that noise. You know, when I when I was at my um, sister-in-law's house, my sister, I only call sister-in-law, my sister's house. And I, it was the first time that I was kind of being around. And, and she had such a calmness on her face. All the kids making all this noise. One kid downstairs screaming, playing Fortnite. The other girl upstairs on the phone yelling. The little girl running around. And the mom just sitting there. I'm like, boy, she toned down? You know how parents be sitting there? I'm like, you don't hear your kids, man. Kids, my mom just be like, that's how Mary was. Martha was making all that noise. That's how you got to be. Where you're so numb to the noise. Because all you hear is Christ. And you're like, man, I don't care what noise y'all making. Perspective, my friends. Perspective. And it says, Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. See, food? He said, cool, you can make me food. You can feed me, but it'll be out of me by nine this evening. <laughs> but when she eats from me, it can't be digested. You see what I'm saying? So she's saying... You can, you can focus on trying to feed people, preachers. You can focus on trying to feed people. You can focus on trying to feed yourself, but like food is in and then it's out. But when you get from God, when you, he says, they who seek, uh, um, they who pursue, or those who, uh, uh, those who seek after righteousness shall be filled. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Meaning that I, what, what I get from God, it, it, it becomes, it becomes me. I become it. Whew, that's good preaching. That's Lord, you are good. That's a good word right there. Um, keep your eyes on Jesus. The author finished. Oh, that's right. That's right. Let's keep going. Man, I'm at an hour and six minutes. I ain't even get to how to protect your joy, how to enjoy your singing. I might have to do a part two. Y'all all right? Let me know if y'all all right. Y'all all right? That Mary, that Mary and Martha story is deep. 
You can you can preach that thing for about three years. <laughs> Just joking. About good three Sundays. You can get about three Sundays. Psalms 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And we already talked about that. We, Galatians 5.22 simply says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Yes, part two. I'll do a part two. Um, because I don't want to rush through these points. So I will do a part two. Um, but it says, notice that the text says, but the fruit of the spirit. Now I can take my time. Now I can do a part two. I can take my time. It is but the fruit of the spirit, not the fruits of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit, meaning that you can't have one without the other. So you can't really have love without joy. You can't have peace without joy. You can't have patience without joy. You can't be kind without joy. You can't be good or operating goodness without joy. You can't be faithful without joy. You can't be gentle without joy. You can't have self-control without joy. In other words, you can't have none of this without the others. You can't have love without joy. You can't have joy without love. You see what I'm saying? That's why I won't rush. I won't rush. I will honor what God wants us to do with this, with this word. So what I'm saying is that if you really want true love, you got to have joy. See, if I'm not content, I take, I rob my wife of love. Oh, man. If the moment I take my mind off of Christ, I now rob my wife of love. Because when I get into discontentment, now my love starts diluting. Then women know y'all got y'all got a supernatural power called intuition. That's why men have to be constantly aware that they don't get distracted. Contentment, cont contentment for men. I'm speaking for men as head as homes. Contentment in a man's heart keeps a woman's heart filled. That's why I used to be like, you know, at times, man, why my wife or my girlfriend at the time? Why? why? And God was like, bro, I'm telling you. You're mad at the symptoms. She's mad, but her even no matter even though her emotions may be whatever, Josh, there's something you ain't doing. It, it, it may, I'll take care of the God will say I'll take care of how she responds, but take care of your focus because you wouldn't have got here if you didn't allow your mind to go where. You see what I'm saying? So what we have we talking about a mature woman. A mature woman will be able to hold her in, intuition. But there's a gift where a woman is able to sense things and a man, vice versa, both men don't have to do this. But a man has to make sure that he's always in a place of contentment. That's why I tell fellas. If you if you want a successful marriage, finish the assignments of your singleness. That's a part of it. I'm not saying that's the main thing, but that's a part of it. Right. Because when you're single, if you got everything, everything done in your singleness, you now are able to give everybody the attention that they need. But if you got and you rushed and got married and you wanted just to put some ice cold water on the passions of your soul, I just well, I just got to I got to marry her because I'm tired of just dealing with pornography. I just got to get married, got to get married. Oh, right. So you rush into the marriage and didn't finish what you were supposed to finish. And now when the 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 lust has faded and the and the attraction has faded because lust was your dominant uh, point of view. Then all of a sudden you're gonna say, well, okay, she's just a wife. Then you're gonna start working on your work. And then you're gonna start seeing stuff coming out of your wife. Right? So what I'm trying to say is, if I I'm just talking as a man, if I start losing joy in God, I rob my wife of love. 
I robbed my wife of gentleness. I robbed my wife of faithfulness. I robbed my wife of self-control, of me being self-control. I robbed my wife of goodness. Women, if you're not full of joy in God, you will rob your husband from of love. You'll rob your, oh, you'll, oh, you'll definitely rob your husband of peace. That's one thing a man wants is peace. So if you're not content in God, if you're not in love with God, if God is not your joy, you're going to rob your husband of peace. You're going to rob your husband of, 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 of you're going to rob yourself of patience. You're going to rob him from kindness given to him. So joy and love, when I know that I'm God's beloved, I'm welcoming, his love leads me into his presence where I'm now filled with joy, where now my wife doesn't have to feel the unnecessary pressures of discontentment, right? So what happens is the moment you start getting discontentment and you start getting upset, then people start feeling the unnecessary pressures because now you start expecting God out of them versus who God made them to be. So that's why I have to understand that I can't have one without the other. And then if I lose perspective of who I am in Christ, that's why they the first two, love and joy. If I lose the sight of who I am in him, that I am his beloved, then I'm going to lose joy. And if I lose joy, uh oh, I'll lose peace. And if I lose peace, I become impatient. When I'm impatient, oh my God, I lose kindness. When I'm not kind, I can't be good. And if I'm not good, I can't be faithful. And if I'm not faithful, I won't be gentle. And all of this will prove the lack of self-control. I don't know if God did this in order, but I can see the order. I don't know if this is, I'm just, I'm just going off what I see. If I don't have love, I can't have joy. If I don't have joy, I won't have peace. If I don't have peace, I'll birth patience. And if I don't have patience, I'll birth uh, a lack of kindness. If I'm not kind, how can I be good, faithful, or gentle? And how can I have self-control? Because kindness is a fruit of patience. Patience is a fruit of peace. Peace is a fruit of joy. And joy is a fruit of love. Oh, my goodness. If I don't know I'm God's beloved, how can I be full of joy? Because love is what brings me into his presence where there's a fullness of joy. If I don't have joy, then I'm not going to have peace. If I don't have peace, will I be patient? If I'm not patient, I'm definitely not kind because some of the rudest people are the impulsive, impatient ones. And if I'm not kind, how can I be good? How can I be faithful? How can I be gentle? And how can I have self-control? God, your word is rich, man. Man, I don't know if that's the case, but it kind of makes sense. Man, your love, man, brings me into a place of joy. And that joy births peace. Peace produces patience. Patience makes me naturally kind. Kindness keeps me in a state of goodness. Because if I'm not kind, how can I be faithful to my wife? You see what I'm saying? If I'm not kind, how can I be just to my children? If I'm not kind, when I'm out there in the streets, how can I practice self-control? Mm. Woo! Mm. Man, I might stop there. <clears throat> I might stop there. You, you, you can't go no further than that, man. You, you just can't go no further than that. Man, that's powerful. Next week, 
<laughs> um, yeah, that's who, yeah, that's it. That's it. So after uh Rodeo Jordan right here, I'm gonna answer some questions and we'll do a part two because I I I gotta get off of here so I can <laughs> I, see when I get somewhere, I, I gotta I, I gotta go eat on this a little bit. I can't go no further because my soul wants to chew on that just for a minute. I'm this might be a book. <laughs> I may, I may just Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stop right there. Um, I got some resources for you. Make sure you go to well, don't uh keep the worksheet, keep the worksheet, right? And then we'll uh we'll finish this next week. Um, we'll finish this next week. And um, God, that's good. I got some books and resources that'll be a blessing to you. Um, uh, I got this book, the first book I wrote called Unplug, Top Things We Need to Unplug from. Good book, resources on my website. Uh, this book right here that sparked this whole movement called The Purpose of Singleness. Are you whole or full of holes? So this book right here is a great resource available on my website. And it's the reason why we do this course. It'd be a good book to have in association with this. I wrote my first children's book, as he says. Um, uh, as in for the students I serve, this book right here is a blessing for kids, third graders and up. Help them discover their art form. This is written to the public school. So this won't have Jesus or God in it. But if, you'll, if you know the word, you'll see the word in it. Um, it, it'll be hidden in there. Um, this book called Dating Prep, How to Date Yourself and Love Your Life Forever. It ha- oh, with my card games. There we go. Um, it has, uh, you can get a card game to go with it. You can purchase that separately. And the questions in the card game are actually in the book. So if you're dating yourself, you can actually answer the questions for you. So there's areas for you to answer questions. And when you're dating somebody, you can, oh, you can put their, you can put their answer there too and your answer there. So it's a great book as a dating tool to make sure you're on the same page. So you'll know, is this a counterfeit or a counterpart? I got a book on spiritual warfare, World War Me, How to Win the War Within. It'd be a great book. Uh, where can I get, uh, where can I get the worksheet page? I got you. Let me get, let me get our link right now while y'all, while y'all there. Um, it's on my, I'll post the link for you. So y'all can, um, actually go and get it there. Okay. There we go. There go the worksheet link right there. Lifework.teachable.com. But how to win the war. It talks about the whole armor of God and how we can stand in an evil day and, and defeat the enemy in our lives. We also got this book here called The Purpose of Freedom. How to Untie Soul Ties Uproot Strongholds. This book's also available. All those books are available on my website. Oh, let me uh, get there real quick. Uh, Let's go there. My website, IamUnplugged.com. Uh, you'll know, learn more about the ministry my wife and I have. We have a kids mentoring program. It'll, it'll load in a minute. We also got online courses for you, books where you can purchase all the books that I just showed you. Uh, we also got T-shirts. Well, this is our mentoring program shirt called Propel. So I wore that today. But you can order other shirts on our website to help support what we do. If you want to book me for an event, I know once the quarantine stuff to get lifted or you want to do a virtual event, you can book me there. Also, you can donate if you want to support what we do. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely appreciate that. Also, if you want one-on-one coaching, you go to the custom coaching tab and I'll be uh, more than happy to serve you one-on-one. Just submit your budget. And we have spiritual growth coaching, value and self-esteem coaching, transition coaching, relationship coaching, all that good stuff. So all you got maximize your singleness coaching. All you got to do is click book session and then you just put your name, your email, which one pertains to you, and then uh, put your budget for what you could do for the coaching. And I'll customize a time frame for you if your time and my times match up. So submit the best that you can do and I'll customize and still give you my best in that customized time. And I'll be happy to serve you there. Let's give me some questions so I can get in this word. Probably go to the store. Give me some neat. Give me some uh, fruit or something like that. 
Um, but uh okay, let me scroll up. Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot where I where I was. Uh who got the first question? Okay. Uh all right, right, right. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Chelsea Williams says, How do you respect others' opinion about you or something of you without giving too much weight to it? Great question. I tend to care too much about what other people think and say, How do I tell the difference? Great question. You tell the difference by the temperament. You tell the difference by the temperament. Um, not everybody's critique or criticism is hate. Um, um, there is a thing called constructive criticism and a thing called destructive criticism. Constructive criticism wants to build you up. Destructive criticism wants to bring you down. That's how you determine the difference. How do you feel? Do you feel like there's room to improve or do you feel like you're losing something or you're being brought low? Do you feel excited about life or optimistic about life or that truth, it hurts, but I see healing in the truth? Or is it something to tear you down mentally so you won't think higher than where you should? So when people give an opinion, always process it. What I need for you to do, just do it simple. I always do pen and paper. Get a piece of paper and a pen and say, okay, uh, what was said? Write down the criticism. Write down who said it, okay? Mom, dad, sister, friend, coworker, person online. Write down who said it. Under the person who said it, who are they to you? Are they are they someone trustworthy, not trustworthy, cool, not cool, whatever? Write down what they said. Write down who said it. And also write down, um, is it constructive or destructive? And that's how you'll be able to process and teach your brain to be able to recognize the differences when you hear it. Sometimes you have to hear it and then process it. And as you practice the patterns of processing, then you will develop the quick uh, response time in your mind. And know, I already know your character. I discern your spirit. That's off. Whatever, whatever. Boop. Out the, in one ear, out the other. I'm not going to take it to heart. Right. So you also got to look at yourself and say, if 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 you never encourage yourself, people's discouragement of you will uh, will will uh, hurt you. So you have to already have a culture of encouraging yourself. You have to have a culture of self-awareness and recognizing the bad of yourself. You're supposed to already be doing that. So when you hear opinions, you already know. You already know who you are in Christ. So you're not affected, whether it's good or bad. Even if it's someone praising you, cool, you're not going to get puffed up. Even if someone's trying to say something negative, you won't be put down because you know who you are in Christ and you encourage yourself. You're already good and you are fully aware of the negativity in you. So you're not, you not you already know when they say something. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I will work on that and keep moving. But never let them see you sweat. Never let people see that they can control you with their words or they'll continue to critique you. Just be cordial. Practice kindness, pra practice encouraging yourself, practice knowing who you are in Christ, practice that thing of who, what. And uh, 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 and constructive or destructive, and then you'll be able to say, you know what? Over time, you won't even let it affect you anymore. So you tell the difference by writing it out and seeing it on paper for yourself. Because if you leave it in your emotional realm, if you leave it in your heart realm, you want to be offended. If you leave stuff in here, it triggers emotions. Boop, 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 start triggering emotions. But if you say, you know, before I feel anything about this, before I start using hands. And before I start thinking crazy and assuming that they're negative, let me write it down and process it and then find the answer myself. So it's hard to give weight to something when you already know who you are in Christ, when you are already fully aware of the negative things you got to work on. You don't have to worry too much about what people got to say. You good money. Hope to help. Thanks, babe. I appreciate you. It's an awesome message. I'll give, give my wife a shout out. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you and may God bless you. Where can I get the word? Okay, I already sent that. All right. <clears throat> Many Christians have sour faces, not smiling or laughing much. Does that indicate that the individual does not have joy and contentment? Uh, to a degree, yes. 
Now, you can still be a person of joy and have a tough day. Joy have joy is all about response time. Okay. So if you if you enjoy is all about um uh content uh uh perspective perspective patterns. And what I mean by that is joy is a day-to-day thing. That's why the Bible says, This is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Not trying to get to tomorrow to be glad. No, no matter what day comes, no matter what kind of day it is, I don't care if it's raining, I don't care if it's sunny, I don't care if I got the roof that I want, I don't care. I'm gonna this is the day that the Lord made for me. God made this unique day for me, therefore, I'm going to be, I'm going to rejoice. Rejoice means I'm alive because somebody in hell wish they woke up on your bed today. They wish they woke up and had an opportunity to get it right. So either way, there's always something to be thankful for. So I will rejoice that I got a new day to just get to know God, man. Do you know the angels look curiously? God, do you know Jesus didn't die for the angels? So the angels will never know what salvation is. Angels will never know what grace is. uh, Angels will never know what mercy is. So they're kind of low-key jealous. I'm just joking. I'm not saying they're jealous, but low-key they're like, they they're like, man, I, I, oh, y'all get that ass? See, we envy their aspect of God. Glory, glory, glory to your name. Cool. We they in the presence of God, but they're like, but y'all got a different kind of presence, though. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, is that <clears throat> it's a, it's a perspective thing. It's it's a, a daily thing. It's a get your mind back on being grateful. So what you can do is, when you have tough days, type out a list of all the things you're thankful for. Print it out, put it in your car, put it in your glove compartment, put it in your purse, put it in your wallet. Anytime you have a bad day, that's right. That's what I'm grateful for. You have to train your mind to work for you, not you work for your mind. So when you do that, you'll be like, yeah, you may be sad for five minutes. And if it's something significant, you may be sad for a couple of days. If it's something really, really big, like a loss of a parent, loss of a child, bad. But at the end of the day, you'll be able to say, okay. You, you, because the response time must be quick or you're going to be uh, in depression. You see what I'm saying? So you have to have a response time where you say, okay, I'm not going to allow myself to be sad too long. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. You can also input there, be sad, but sin not. There's certain emotions you have as a human and it's okay. Jesus wept, but he didn't get depressed. What he did, he wept and raised them up. Oh, he wept. Cool bet. Jesus was like, yo, Lazarus dead. He wept. The human side was like, man, me and Lazarus to be on the swing. Bro. Me and Lazarus to be out there, man, doing carpentry. Then the spirit in him, the flesh in him wept. Then the spirit in him rose from death. So what I'm saying is the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. So yeah, but weep. It's okay to weep. But the same person that wept Raised him from the dead. So you got to say the same. It's okay to weep. Cool. Be sad. And almost sometimes you almost got to put a timer. Just put like a, a 20 minute timer. Cry. 20 minutes. Depending on what it is, 40 minutes. Give yourself 50 minutes. Cry. And then when that beeper goes off, raise. Rise yourself up and continue going forward. Many Christians have sour faces not because their perspective of joy is not, not where it needs to be. As indicated, they, the individual doesn't have joy yeah, could to a degree. Now, if they just having a moment, let them have their moment. But if they, if you've been around them for four or five months and they're still sad, they don't have the right perspective of God. That 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 that's the answer I have for that. Uh, 
his wife is here. Hey, Quinn. Oh, oh, y'all talking to my wife. Cool, cool, cool. This was made for me. Oh, so, uh, so, so, uh, <clears throat> please forgive me. Sakia. This was made for me. I was so sad for a while. And then a notification for you popped up and this spoke to me. I was searching for happiness and I'm to search for that's it. And and you don't even got to search far for joy. It's right there. He's he's like, all you got to do is mentally tap in. See, like with this phone here, I got straight talk. Okay. Coach, coach, why get the straight talk does the same thing as T-Mobile and Verizon. It may not, it may not, I may not have signal everywhere. See what I'm saying? But but why pay double? Why pay a hundred dollars for a phone bill when I can pay fifty dollars for for another phone for a phone bill and invest the other fifty in something else? Come on now, yeah, think hard. But this phone right here, if if I don't pay the bill, what happens? It's disconnected. Just because my phone disconnected doesn't mean it takes. Don't be laughing at my five S. It is what it is. Just because my phone disconnected doesn't mean it removes the network. Hmm. The network's still there, even though my phone may be off its own. Metaphorically, coach pays the bills. But the phone was off. I can't get mad at the network. I get mad at the payment. What oftentimes happen is the presence of the network is all around us. We're just not tapped into the payment. We're trying to pay for ourselves. That's why we don't have the presence of God. We're like, God, I want to pay for my own cell phone. We're trying to be like kids. Well, okay, I don't want you taking I want to pay for my own cell phone. I want to pay for my own life. I don't want your... But when you rest on his payment... When you start taking a SIM card out of the phone and you put your own SIM card in there and now you start making payments, but your father says, well, you can keep my SIM card in there all you want. Just know that there's an abundance of payments for that. That's already paid. I, I got your bill paid for life. Okay, God, cool, but I don't want that. So you go get your own SIM card and put it in your own life. Okay, I, I'm going to pay for my own life. I'm going to go get my own man. I'm going to go get my own wife, etc. So then you disconnect from the presence of God. Then you start losing joy. Like the prodigal son, the further and the further away he got from the father, the more he lost, the more he whatever. The closer he got to, to the father, what happened? He he uh, they killed the fatted calf and he was back in position. So all you gotta do is say, "Come to yourself." Like the prodigal son, he came to himself, said, "I had it better at my father's house." And that's what we gotta do: is realize that all I gotta do is tap my mind into it, and I, I'm I'm aware. It's almost like taking off virtual reality lenses and you'd be like, wow, this is the real world. God, you really in my life. That's what it boils down to, my friend. I'm glad that this message spoke to you. Y'all, I'm going to go ahead and go. Maybe I got time for one more, one more, and I got to go so I can go ahead and get some rest. We can't pay for our payment. That's right. We got to trust the fathers. I've been done paid for that. I think that's all the question. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Scroll down. Here we go. Um, where would you start to read the Bible from Matthew? Um, oh, uh, basically, what I do is here's a good reading plan for you read a proverb a day. So it's six, it's the 25th of June, read Proverbs 25. Tomorrow, read Proverbs 26. The next day, Proverbs 27, etc. Every day, read them, read that proverb a day. And what I do is, or what I used to do, I don't do it as much now because I have my Bibles are scraped up. But what I do is I'll circle and I'll write down the scripture and what does it mean? I just start really diving deep. I just, if you got time, don't just read through. Just take some time. Don't rush through the verses. Just go at a slow pace. Go at the level of understanding. If there's a verse right they don't understand, stop there and research it. Understand it, right? Check some um, 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 commentary or whatnot and keep moving. And then read a gospel a month. That's, where, that's the foundational reading um, plan that I give people. A gospel a month keeps Christ in the forefront of your life and you're able to see how he moved and stuff. So you can start with Matthew uh, this month. Start reading Matthew, but I'll start reading the gospel. Read about two or two chapters of Matthew or what you can do, my friend. What I do is 
I get the I go I type it. You what you can do right now is go to YouTube and type in Matthew Dramatize. Matthew Dramatize. And then this video of the book of Matthew Dramatize with the animals in the background with different characters. Man, you can listen, you can listen to the whole you can listen to the whole book of Matthew today. See what I'm saying? But you can keep that. You can all month you just keep Matthew playing. Just Matthew playing. As you maybe you read a maybe you do this. Maybe you read a proverb a day. You actually read and you listen to the gospel as you drive as you uh, at work with headphones, whatever. And then you'll begin to see how that beneficial spirit as you read. So that's what I will do. A proverb a day, a gospel a month and utilize. You can type in any book of the Bible. You can type in Isaiah dramatized. You can type in first Samuel dramatized and I have characters, animals, all that kind of stuff. And it's just a great read. My mom, my mom used to buy the cassettes of those. And, and, and that's why I love what the word of God says. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get old, they want to depart from it. I still, I still use that. I was listening to that since I was a little boy. That's why the word is in me. I mean, I know where the word is. That's funny. I, I know why I don't know where scriptures are all the time. I know where script, I know where a lot of scriptures are, but I don't know a lot as a lot of these other people because all I listened to as a kid was listening to uh, uh, dramatized tapes. So I know the stories. I know the scriptures, but it's just, it's 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 just a theatrical thing. But uh, yeah, that's what I would do. That's right. Beyond cheerleader. If you wait for when you wait, if you wait for other people to cheer for you, you won't get anything done. Zaza says, uh, how do I believe that God desires for me to get married when I've never really experienced being in a relationship and I'm getting up in age? Um, what I would do, my friend, if if you got a genuine desire to be married, then God's got you. Or, or God don't mind meeting that desire. You just got to, you got a couple with that desire discipline. So what I would do is write down what you desire in life, write down who you are. And if who you are don't match what you desire, that's your room of improvement. That's where you, don't work, don't fall, don't even, don't, don't worry about your age. Because the Bible says once your mind gets renewed, he'll redeem what the canker worm and what all that done to you. He can, he can redeem the time. Boop, 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 boop. So don't worry about time. Don't worry about age. Just worry about who you desire to be, who you desire to have what you desire to have, who you are, where you are now, and a gap in between, and just focus on the person of God and preparing. And then the time will redeem itself, my friend. And put the, put your question up there. Hope that helped. Don't worry about the age. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about who he has for you. Worry about this is what I want in life. This is who I would like to be in life. This is who I would like to marry in life. These are the traits and the attributes of these seasons in this individual. I'm lacking in certain areas that will make me not able to manage that. Okay, that's my room of improvement. I'm going to focus on the purposes for the day, what God wants me to do. And I'm going to focus on preparing myself in accordance to his purpose in my life. And the rest will happen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things will be added unto you. Uh, one more, because this is my brother, right? He was in my uh, Good Guys podcast video. We got a great video we just did. Let me see if I'm going to post a video. Uh, do I got it on here? Do I got on here? Yep. We just did a video yesterday, how to pursue a woman for the fellas. So we got that up on our YouTube channel. Check it out. Can we mess up what God has for us? A minister was telling me I'm not married because I missed the opportunity by taking too long to come to God and say he was, man, don't be listening to these people, man. Like I told a young lady before you, uh, God can redeem the time if you allow your mind to be renewed. It's that simple. You renew your mind, time will be redeemed. 
Simple as that. God's not God going to be like, oh, now you want to get your mind together? Well, too late. You should have got it together in 2008. Sorry, I'm out of women. I'm out of wives. God's like, you renew your mind. If you allow my spirit to renew your mind, by you in that process would naturally redeem the time. So what I'm saying is don't worry about what you did in the past. Worry about what you got now. And if you do what you know you're supposed to do and trust God and love on God and, and become your best self in Christ for his perfect work that he wants to do through you, don't worry about what these preachers say. Worry about what God says. And don't take everything that people say to you to heart. You feel what I'm saying, fam? Because people that was back in the day, permissive will and perfective will, but people forget about the grace and love of God. The, the, the prodigal son, bro. The prodigal son took dude's inheritance. Prodigal son was mad disrespectful, fam. Dude came to Pops and said, I want my inheritance. Do you know that's, that's basically saying, I wish you was dead. I love, I want my inheritance more than I want you. That's how we do God. God, I want your promises, but I don't want you, player. Give me, give me my inheritance. And the father said, like God does, here you go. Take it. I mean, callings and giftings are given without repentance. Here you go. Do what you want with it. It's yours. Free will. Pops. Pop. Now, you know how long it took that man still stuff at that man's house. Do you know how long it took to sell all he had that was due to his son? That took time. So imagine coming home as a father, coming home and your son looking at you like, do you got my inheritance yet? It wasn't like they wrote a check. They couldn't write a check back then. The dad had to go sell the land, go sell the cattle, actually go sell everything that was meant for him, his son. Do you know that mean he took a loss to lose his son? Not only did he lose his son, but he lost property, lost cattle. And the father said, okay, I'll sell it, give it to you. The son takes all of that, squanders it, gave it to women, gave it something to the fellas. And then he left, found himself in the pig's pen. And what happened when the prodigal son came back? He said, he said man, listen, I, it's better to be a servant in my father's house than be at these pig pens. He said, I had it good in my father. So what did he do? He went back home. Now, did the dad say, man, you now you want to come home? You, you want to, the, the father had it in his right. The father had all the rights to say, you know what? You're going to work until you pay everything you owe me. The father said, bet my son's home. Hey, yo. Hey. Hey, Tyrone. Hey, go get that fatty calf. The dad didn't say, the dad didn't say, man, go give him that sickly messed up calf. Eh? He said, no, give him that fatty calf. The biggest one we got. They called the calf Keisha. <laughs> Stop. Judy. Get Judy. The big calf. Brought the calf. Boom, boom. Cut it open for dude. Boom, boom. And if God, if that father, which was a story, won't even think about what you did wrong. And still will kill the fatted calf for you. You don't think God would if a if a if you we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, what greater gifts does he have for us? So don't worry about if you messed up God's will, just come home. <laughs> That's it. Don't worry about it. just come home. Just just come home and you'll be surprised the fatted calf they cut open for you. I love y'all, but coach gotta go. That word was so good today, man. I needed that thing, man. I don't necessarily need it for joy, but that I needed that verse like that. That thing was so powerful. I love y'all, man. Books, courses, resources online. We'll be doing part two next week. So invite a friend, invite people. 
um, so that we can grow together in the word of God. And I'm gonna go chew on that. I'm gonna go take four. I'm gonna go to the truck. I'm gonna go in my 2008 ring. I'm gonna get in the truck. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the grocery store and I'm gonna chew on this verse as I go get me some uh, some grapes, some pears. I'm gonna chew on this spiritually because that right there, if that's the case, whoo, we've been reading this verse for years. We've been reading this verse for years and we ain't see the formula. I got to chew on that, man. I hope y'all chew on it with me. Maybe we can discuss it next time. I love y'all. My wife and I is out. Peace.